0: Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to
1: and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. All right, welcome to another episode of You Have a Body podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lucia Hawley, uh, nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of Essential Omnivore. Our other co-host, Hannah, is will be joining us next week. She's been in Portland. She is back in Minneapolis today, um, and she'll be back on with us next week. And that's going to be exciting. I'm excited to hear how her trip has been. Portland is uh, ironic because who I'm talking to today is Liz Winters. And Liz is in Portland. Liz, you want to say hi for a second?
0: Hi. Oh, hi. Oh,
1: right. So Liz has actually been on the show before. Um, I (laughs) interviewed her back on episode 41. And we talked about lots of things regarding health and wellness and nutrition, specifically around kind of prenatal postnatal health and wellness so just as a recap liz is the owner of sprout wellness which is a nutritional therapy and functional fitness practice in portland oregon um, specializing in what i just said so in supporting the health wellness and functional fitness of anyone navigating that prenatal or postpartum world Um, so liz usually what hannah and i do is that we give we give each other a little check-in see how the last week has been so how's your week been what's been going on
0: Oh man, my week has been good. It's been really busy, but pretty awesome. Hanging out with my kiddo a lot. Yeah, doing all the things. Coaching lots of classes.
1: <laughs> uh, which classes
0: are you coaching these days? <clears throat> um, I've got lots. I'm running an outdoor boot camp right now, and it's been super fun. And we're we're running into that good old Northwest rain. <laughs> But my clients are so great. They're still showing up at 6 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> work out outside in 40-degree weather. And in so, the dark, right? And in the dark. I mean, there's, like, <laughs> some light at the park. But it's definitely not, like, as bright and beautiful as it was this summer. Yeah. But it's just such a nice way to start my day with their, like, mostly chipper faces once they start moving. And just getting outside. Yeah. Because I think, like, I tend to hermit during the winter. So this has been a really good challenge for me or like opportunity opportunity that's a better way to say it
1: (laughs) (laughs) you have to go outside people are relying on you
0: (laughs) yeah so I am outside five days a week
1: (laughs) oh my gosh that's huge I think that's a that's like a really big deal
0: yeah I love it I absolutely love it it's probably one of my favorite parts of my my work that I just get to be outside and working with people yeah
1: that's so cool I feel like this is this, this pales in comparison but for the last few weeks I've been running. One of the group nutrition classes, one of the body adapt sessions, at six a.m. on Fridays, which is the earliest I've ever done a class. And um, so early, it's so early, and everyone is amazing because they 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 are morning people, so they're like up and awake and ready to be learning and talking. Um, But it's so amazing having like the rest of your day after you wake up and have like accomplished something like that. Yes, (laughs) the rest of your day. So five days a week, that's that's very impressive.
0: Yeah. My day is done by two PM. Wow. So after after two, I'm just like checked out. I'm home with baby Edith, who's not so much a baby anymore. Home with husband and <laughs> we just get to play. And yeah. Relax
1: so tell office. us tell us a little bit about um what you've been up to. I feel like you've really in the last year, obviously, you have had the baby that you just said, baby is yeah. no longer a baby, so um would love to hear kind of how having that baby has really informed your practice and you're really specializing in supporting um, women and people who are, are thinking babies.
0: Yeah. Having Edith, I mean, going through the whole pregnancy process and then, you know, this motherhood transition and, um, and just for and people who aren't keeping up on Edith, she's almost 15 months. I don't know why you wouldn't keep up on us. But <laughs> she's adorable. just in case she's, uh, she's 15 months now. And, um, Yeah. Just navigating this whole, navigating pregnancy. And I think that's really what we talked about last time, um, on the podcast. And then since then, you know, just really trying to like find myself in this new, like they call it birth, but you coins it as this like motherhood transition. And I love that because it really is, um, just this time and it's not necessarily specific to just people who have had a, like who have carried and had a child, but also, you know, people who have adopted. And anyway, like, so it's this, this big life transformation. Um, and it, it's definitely informed my practice, you know, I've started to really delve into like, what good postpartum nutrition is, you know, like, what is that? How does it support, you know, breastfeeding, and then mom's recovery and good nutrition for baby. Um, but then also, there's this huge, huge physical piece. And I think that's been um, kind of the biggest addition to my practice, you know, is really focused on nutrition and, and coaching CrossFit on the side. But um, I've really kind of Started to delve into more of a physical and and mindset aspect um, for moms and anybody like starting to navigate that whole that whole process. You know what that recovery looks like, what that mindset looks like, and how you know you can kind of set yourself up for success.
1: Yeah, and so what 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 have you noticed then? What kind of comes to the forefront with that recovery
0: in that process? Um, well, one, a couple things is that. Women are not set up for success um, in our current system. You know, we go into the doctor, you have the baby, fall goes well, you get to go home a couple days later, they're like, good job, you have a kid, good luck. Yeah, we're done. And then, you know, you go in with checkups with baby, you know, every month or two months as they get older or three months. Um, but mom gets one follow-up appointment mm-hmm. at six weeks, and doctor, you know, inspects everything and says, again, pats you on the head and says, okay, you're cleared for sex and activity wow (laughs) at six weeks. And I, I don't know about any other moms out there, but I really wasn't ready for either of those things at six weeks. Um, but you, again, don't really know any better. Um, and so, so there's that, like we aren't set up with, um, you know, plans to help with, with postpartum depression. Um, you you get these like check-ins that are like you know how are you doing today or you know but you we don't talk about how we were doing 2 weeks ago or mm-hmm. you know what's going on with x y or z so there's there, there's really no support for this postpartum time and we don't really talk about it what we do see is you know get those six pack abs back in 6 weeks like yeah uh, or only praising the scenario of um you know oh look she's already back in the gym it's only been 4 weeks and look she's going back full board? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but is she doing it safely? Uh, And then, or, you know, if she goes back to work too soon or not soon enough, you know, you can't, you can't win in that scenario. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) There's there's, no good answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's always going to be this pressure coming from society one way or another where it's like, it seems like, and again, with this subject, what is my experience? I have not had a baby spoiler or anything related to that. So can only hear and learn from people who have and I've had to navigate this, that it just seems like it's tricky and bumpy. Exactly. And there's not really a roadmap.
0: No, definitely. I don't think, I think roadmap, that's a really good, good way to talk about it. I mean, there is no, there can't be a roadmap, because everyone's experience is so different, right? But we could definitely set up, like, support stations along the way. Um, And I think that's what I really, what I'm trying to do, for, for my clients or people who I interact with and, you know, whatever sphere that is online or in person, um, just showing like both the positive and, you know, the less, not less positive, but the more struggling parts of this like kind of postpartum life or mom life. Hashtag, yeah. mom. Oh. <laughs> hashtag mom life. Hashtag mom life. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's been a really interesting time and I'm just, I'm like, if you can't tell, super passionate about it and yeah. like really, excited about it
1: so what have you noticed then from let's say if we're just talking about for more focused on the functional fitness Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what have you noticed in this postpartum phase where you are obviously someone who has a big history of being an athlete and doing a lot of crossfit um so what was that like for you to come back into uh being able to have that time for fitness again or pressures or just expectations
0: Um, so many things. Um, so, I yeah, I was really active through my pregnancy, and I feel like I was really lucky and i made I made a really big point of of making that possible and working with my coaches um and and keeping that as part of me because it it's was so much a part of me. um or in it, it still is. Um but then going back, like i I remember in my um, like birthing class, like my prep class. They told me like, okay, now, the first 2 weeks you aren't going to do anything you're going to stay at home and sit with your kid and cuddle and recover you're like even walks are limited and i looked at this woman like she told me like my life was ending like i <laughs> like she was the craziest person in the world like what what do you mean i don't get to do anything yeah and i'm not like i'm not a gym junkie like i'm really not like <laughs> i just enjoy moving and i don't like people telling me i can't
1: <laughs> yeah yep <laughs>
0: So I did not appreciate that concept of rest. Um, I did do it. I, I waited four weeks before I really dove back into anything um, because, you know, recovery is hard. And it, I couldn't imagine trying to go back any sooner than I did. Yeah. Um, but I went, I went back to CrossFit at four weeks and was met with loving arms by my coaching staff. And they are really awesome and um, very supportive and very smart with their programming. Um, and thank God for them. Um, but there's that definite pressure to feel like I had to, I I felt this looming sense of my maternity leave is going to be 14 weeks and I don't want to go back looking like I'm six months pregnant. Be perfectly honest. Like there was a lot of like, okay, how do I look like myself again? Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like I was struggling with some depression. So how do I feel like myself again? And well, Liz goes to CrossFit and does crazy thing and moves lots of weird weight around. Like that's, (laughs) That's me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so I was really trying to find that again and find my community. Um, and so it just, there's a lot of pressure again, like that, like physical, to fit into that physical form of, Because you usually go through this Instagram, you go through it and you're like six weeks postpartum. Look at my abs. I was like, congratulations. You bitch. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> what is actually reality? And what is reality for every
0: person and everybody? body? Exactly. That- and that was reality for that person. And right. that is awesome. Like, great. That one has never been my reality. So I don't know why I would expect it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that was a, a big part of the the pressure for me, was trying to like look a certain way by the time I was going back to um, my then job. Um, and then also just trying to find that community you know, i I felt pretty isolated. I was the first among my like close friend group to have a kid. Um, so nobody really understood what I was going through. I mean, they were all very kind and supportive. Um but to really understand what that was is, is something else entirely. Um My family is close, but not very close. like we're 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 emotionally close, but physically, we're like three hours apart or so it's okay. the closest one. Um, and so I didn't have that like constant social interaction. So again, the gym, that was my community. Um, so I, I feel like I've circumvented the question a lot. I don't know. I'm- <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I think you're touching on some really important parts that it might be something that we We don't even recognize can be influencing a person's health in that postpartum phase that how their body right might be responding to the different influences of stress and feeling social isolation That's stressful and feeling like um, this tool of exercising for you in your case feeling like CrossFit was where you could be yourself and could do these things that you mm-hmm. loved and having to come, being able to go back into that environment, but have it be an environment that all of a sudden is kind of turned on its head because you're there with this body that's having to do some new things or right. look at the old exercises mm-hmm. in a new way. Exactly. And a lot of challenges that really seems like aren't spoken about a lot once you have the baby because it's pat on the back if, if things went okay you're -hmm. you're fine and go, go do your thing. Go
0: do what you used to do. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Good luck. Have
1: fun. Come back if there's a problem, (laughs) maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe if you can get there, you know? Um, so I guess the big thing that I took away from that and, and one thing that I've learned really, as I've started, um, you know, doing more research and, and really trying to like broaden that, my understanding of what's going on, um, is this concept that, I don't know if BirthFit coined it or Melissa Hemphill coined it, but they're awesome. And we can probably link to them in the show notes. Yep, we can go check totally. them out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but this concept of slow is fast. And I wrote this big post on it on Facebook after I read another blog article on it. But I went to this really cool coaches' training with BirthFit at the end of the summer. Um, and we just talked about, you know, how to train and support postpartum women. And that was really the big focus and how we can modify things to make sure we're supporting them emotionally and physically um, with fitness and mindset and nutrition. Um, and those were like the big things. And the one thing that was hammered home is this concept of slow is fast. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I had done taken that concept to, more to heart, <laughs> um, my recovery probably would have been faster. And like the idea behind that is, this postpartum time, as hellish as it is, can be considered as this gift, especially for athletes, right? Like you have this opportunity to focus on, um, like rebuilding from the core, right? Like your, your body, it's like, you're starting from scratch, but you know, if you ever wanted to relearn how to squat, now's your time. <laughs> you ever wanted to like re, you know, learn how to like activate your lats properly or really build up that solid core strength or work on that push up. Now is your time because you're rebuilding your core. You're rebuilding that pelvic floor. You're re-engaging all of these muscles that have worked so hard to support life and carry around, you know, anywhere from 30 to maybe even 50, 60 pounds yeah. for 10, for 10 months. Right. 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 Not nine months, it is 10 <laughs> months, nine months is a lie. <laughs> and,
1: and tell, tell people why it's 10 months. Uh,
0: it's four, it's 40 weeks, 40 to 44 weeks really. And so if you look at a calendar, it's, I don't know how you get, I mean, you can, it like nine calendar months, kind of, but no. really? Or really? Yeah. Um, so if you embrace this kind of slow rebuilding process, taking it nice and easy, going on walks, working on functional progressions to build that core strength, you are going to put your body back together faster and create this new, stronger version of yourself because you will never get the body back that you had before. And you don't want that, right? Because right? Right. you did this really awesome thing. You created life. Um, you birthed that life however you did that. It's a feat. There is no easy way to give birth. right? Um, and now you have the opportunity to kind of build this stronger, more awesome version of yourself. Um, and if you do that slowly, your recovery is ultimately faster. Mm-hmm. If you jump back in super fast, And try and you do all these things. If you fail, it's going to have a huge impact on, you know, your emotional well-being, right? You're like, oh, I can't get that pull-up. I can't get that rope climb. I suck. Mm -hmm. Well, you have really no business trying to do either of those movements right now, right? (laughs) Sure. What?
1: what? Yeah. (laughs) So why not have that time to be focusing on all the other movements that can then, Mm -hmm. when you are ready, inform some kind of movement like that?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So you can build that stronger. You can avoid injury. And... It just it, it it can be hard doing that slow as fast. yeah, but community has a really good opportunity to to support you in that too, and that, like, if we worked out together, like I would know that you wouldn't I, I would want to know that my community doesn't just care about me when I'm doing burpees next to them or doing cleans next to them, right? Right? So bringing them a meal, going for a walk with somebody avoiding that social isolation, respecting that time that you need that privacy, but, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that people understand that you're there to support them, right. not just when they come up, come to the five o'clock class, right? <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Not just so their name is on the whiteboard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, can you tell people, I think you've really alluded to what BirthFit is, but can you just describe what it, what it is as well for anyone who hasn't heard of it?
0: Yeah, sure. So BirthFit is, one, awesome. Um, yeah. It's a movement that is supporting, um, you know, Prenatal and postpartum women through this motherhood transition and they focus on these four pillars. Um fitness, movement, no, fitness, mindset, nutrition, and chiropractic. Cool. Um and I think that they they call them the four pillars, but in the last couple of interviews I've listened to you with with Dr. Lindsay Matthews, who started BirthFit, they really have that mindset at that top. So you could almost create it like a like a pyramid. So maybe the bottom of the period like yeah. this mindset when you approach um, fertility and pregnancy and um, that postpartum time is going to be huge and then followed by nutrition and then movement and chiropractic care as well. Just making sure everything is in line and set. And I have to be perfectly honest, chiropractic care is the one I know the absolute least about. It is fairly new to me. Sure. It's a really, really cool movement and they do lots of um, programming to support prenatal and postpartum care, fitness. Um, there are lots of different regional directors around the country. Mm-hmm. I'm currently applying to be the one in Portland. Awesome. I'm not sure when i Minnesota, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't Texas. know of one in Minnesota. Might Go be. check out on their website. You can look up coaches. So I went to their coaches seminar so you can find a coach that's been birth fit. Um, uh, it's not technically a certification, but who has attended a birth fit seminar so they can safely coach you through, um, mindful movement in sure, that sense. Sure. So making notifications.
1: And what, what does that mindful movement look like? What are their kind of like core movements that are really like re, help to rehabilitate a body or help to increase that core strength?
0: Yeah. So they actually, um, they do these really interesting things called functional progressions. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'd wish I had actually done during my postpartum time. I didn't, I didn't really find it until later. Not that it hasn't been super helpful. Um, but I would encourage you to look it up cause it's going to be kind of hard to describe it via the podcast, but it's based on, I hope I'm getting this right. Mm-hmm. Um, the functional progression for mom is based on how babies learn their movement patterns. And so it's really, really interesting. So you can kind of, as mom is recovering and baby is learning to move around, I'm mimicking this for Lucia on the video. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> this last time too
1: probably you're you're a physical person talk with your hands (laughs) (laughs)
0: um so but basically you're you're learning you're relearning how to move your body in the same time frame that your child is starting to move and so it's really really interesting so it's all starting from the core um out and that does not mean you're doing a bunch of crunches but it's like very very functional movements um like similar things would be like, you've seen like bird dogs and dead bugs. Those are really similar. They aren't quite the same in birth fit, but yeah. um,
1: the mo- these are names of movements, by the way, not not real dead like, bugs.
0: No, no real <laughs> bugs, no real bird dogs. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, look up the look up videos. There's, there's all sorts of interesting stuff on it. Um, but that's kind of the basis for a lot of their movement progressions yeah. for recovery, for strength building. Like you would be doing these, all throughout pregnancy as, well, humans really. I I make all my clients do them and without telling them that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just such a good way to build your core and pelvic floor.
1: And um, I think it's such a powerful concept too that Mm -hmm. you're moving your body in the way along with, it's like in parallel with baby or babies, right? Right. That's, I feel like that is not a concept that I would encounter in like kind of typical American culture.
0: Well, it's like, it's about going back to basics, right? So you have this opportunity to relearn how to use your body comfortably. So if you've ever seen, a, um, or properly, if you've ever seen a baby squat and get like some serious squat envy, <laughs> because they haven't been manipulated by, you know, sitting at a desk all day or, X, Y, or Z, you know, what, what we have in modern life that is going to mess with our movement patterns. And necessarily those things are bad, but it's just, we have this opportunity to kind of relearn and readjust, especially during that postpartum time when things are still kind of loosey goosey and you can like manipulate that way. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, speaking of loosey goosey, can you talk a little bit about diastasis recti, um, and what that is, or, or if it sounds like core movements are just not just, I should not say just, but are geared towards helping kind of with getting those muscles to kind of knit back together. Is that true? Am I, am I on with that or is, is it something else?
0: Um, so those core exercises are going to help those muscles come back together. So diastasis recti is when you're, when you're, um, diastasis recti start to separate. And so you can do a cool test. Again, I'm mimicking this for Lucian. This yeah. is really hilarious. Um, if you were to lay down on the ground, um, like you like you were going to do a crunch, and then crunch up your shoulders just a little bit, and anywhere between just above your belly button down to the top of your pubic bone, you can feel a little bit of ridge um, in there. And that is that separation that can happen between those abdominal muscles. Um, and what happens when we're pregnant, um, your belly is growing and those muscles grow apart, which is great. They need to because you have a human growing in there. Yeah, you need to get out of the way. Um, and then during the postpartum time, they're slowly coming back together. What can happen is those muscles can stop or we can exacerbate um, that separation by doing too many uh, movements that aren't necessarily appropriate for that time in that recovery. So mm-hmm. things like crunches um, are going to be a no-go and big sit-ups. Um, or doing those too late in pregnancy because, again, mm-hmm. that can... Um, exacerbate those movements because we don't we don't need them. There's other ways we can strengthen that core. Um, and so when I'm talking about the core, like a lot of people just think about the core as you know that six pack ab. Yeah. But your core is really like your trunk of your body, like everything from your shoulders, torso down through your pubic bone, including your glutes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is your core. That's the thing that all of these muscles. I'm waving my arms around like a maniac um <laughs> the limbs the limbs the, limb, the core limbs. yeah you have your core and you have your limbs right um so we're strengthening all of that and then the things that we lose strength in most are those little tiny muscles on the side of your glutes called your glute medius mm. those things really really help um keep that pelvic floor in line um and then just our abdominal strength in general so focusing only on one area of your abdominals is going to be problematic as well. So we need to focus on things that are going to strengthen that whole. And the first thing we can do is relearn how to breathe, right? Oh, re-learn, wow. Engage that diaphragm, um, which again gets kind of shoved out of the way. It gets shortened and pushed up, up, up um, as your belly is growing. And so learning how to take deep diaphragmatic breaths postpartum is actually one of the first exercises that we would do. Can you? It sounds so silly. Oh but, my gosh,
1: but it sounds so powerful too.
0: Yeah, it's how, huge.
1: How do you learn how to take a big, diaphragmatic breath? What do you do?
0: Carefully. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the one of the best ways that I've learned how to do it is to lay down on my back um, and have your feet propped up on a box or up on the wall so that they're creating, like a your knees are creating a 90 degree with the wall. Um, so it just keeps your spine nice and neutral and flat. Um, and you would take a big, deep breath in and really try and fill up the space below your belly button. So, trying to keep your chest down, no movement in your chest, but really breathing into that low belly. I have to do this while I talk about it. And then that, being able to hold that, that big belly that you're making. So, we're not trying to have pretty suck in, no sucking in. Please stop sucking in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let the <laughs> I belly hang. I spent my teenage years sucking in and it was terrible. Um,
1: I did too. I Ugh. I hear you with that.
0: Now I'm like, make your belly as much like I think of it like a soda can. Mm-hmm. Like you want that big canister and you're going to fill up that canister all the way down to the bottom. And then when you breathe out, you're almost feeling like you're pushing that air back down into that belly. So everything is down. It's hard, it's hard to do over the...
1: No, you're doing great. I'm, I'm trying oh. to breathe, everyone. I hope everyone, <laughs> wherever you're listening, you could, yeah, ideally maybe you're on the floor trying to do this, but I feel like you could be driving in the car or like sitting at your desk trying yeah. to get some deeper breath movement and noticing how things are moving down rather than like um, Up and down
0: in your chunks. Yeah. You got in your chunks. <laughs> your lungs. Yeah. So your chest shouldn't be really, really shouldn't be moving at all. So it helps to have your hand on your low belly, and we're talking right below that belly button laying down, taking a nice big breath in, really filling that up. And then when you exhale, your hand shouldn't move at all, right? And so you're really using that diaphragm to push that air out and trying to keep that hand just as elevated. And so that's a like a form of proper bracing. So that's something you can use when you're squatting, um, when we're moving heavy weights around, when you're picking up baby or picking up groceries, like this is not Um, like pelvic floor weakness is not limited to those who have had a kid, right? Yeah, Like you hear of women all the time who are like, oh, I pee when I have, when I do double unders and when I squat, that's, that's pretty common. Um, Not normal, but common. So this is something like learning how to breathe deep into that belly and strengthening those things um, can be huge, huge helpers for strengthening that that pelvic floor.
1: Are there any other signs of pelvic floor weakness um, aside from maybe like urinating when you're trying to do a box jump or jump roping are there Mm -hmm. other movements that are just more difficult if someone can't doesn't have that um kind of proper tension
0: um i mean you can see that break in that line um in in their in their core when you're squatting or if you can't um maintain that tension through a movement so it won't always look like um incontinence like that's just one sign right um but you could see it in um, in just movement patterns, like weak core strength, inability to plank, inability to do um, to move properly, like low back pain, things like that where you're having to compensate with other muscles right. um, that's that's where I would mostly see it, <clears throat> yeah, getting that spending all that time outside. <laughs> Um, nature will kill you. sure will.
1: So <laughs> once you come back to the core and you're regaining that core strength, it also sounds like something that really you could be working on, one could be working on forever, right? We don't want to just be like, oh, yeah, check, got my pelvic floor. Box. Yeah, check that box. <laughs> don't ever have to think about it again. But likely it probably becomes more second nature as mm-hmm. someone's able to fire those muscles and kind of reactivate them and get them to that strong position. Um, so talk about maybe some of the other pillars of birth fit or what, what you really see when someone, or maybe you can speak to your journey, kind of, you're able to come back to that core get a bit of that core strength. What have you noticed as you kind of continue on to reclaim or bring back wellness, um, whether with fitness or nutrition?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you're just, your priorities change once you like adopt this mindset that, um, you, like, real, or really like you're better able to, once you identify those priorities, so is your priority really to have six pack abs and then exploring like the why behind that? If it is, okay, why do you want that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's why I like the term like functional fitness, right? What is the function behind this? Well, if you can do a thousand burpees, well, congratulations, but like, what good is it doing you? Yeah. Um, but I mean, in terms of of nutrition, you know, my priority less so now because like Edie has weaned, um, was really like, okay, how do I create the most nutrient dense breast milk for my baby that I could possibly <laughs> have while still supporting myself calorically. Right. And, um, you know, and my own recovery. So eating became more of like an opportunity to, again, further that recovery process. And just create a stronger version of myself, um, and even now, like my relationship with food has changed substantially. Um, and I think that's it's again something else where we're we're so pushed to quickly lose weight. Um, you hear people, oh, they're like, I want to breastfeed because um, you lose weight. I'm sorry to tell you this, but but you really don't. That is a myth upon myth upon myths. And, um, and The
1: idea is that you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but that you're burning more calories when you're breastfeeding, right? Is mm-hmm. that part of it? So, oh, I want to be burning more calories and that'll help me lose weight.
0: Right. I think I think that's what, what they're, the concept is. But the other thing is that you still have all these really awesome hormones going through your body, mm-hmm. um, and you're still my child is screaming at me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what breast milk, huh? What? <laughs> <clears throat> um, you're still growing a life, right? Just because it's now external and wiggling around and spinning up and pooping everywhere mm-hmm. does not mean that you are not still supporting that life. Mm-hmm. So to change that thinking all of a sudden, like once you, you know, that baby has flown out of your vagina, that's mm-hmm. how it works. Yeah. Um, it, it, that all of a sudden you don't need any extra calories or that you should be expected to um, you know, lose weight it is, is mind boggling to me. It's, it's craziness. Um, you know, that postpartum recovery time is just as long as you were pregnant. So if you were pregnant for, you know, if you had birth early 36 weeks, your recovery is at least 36 weeks. Wow. I mean, and that goes t- to moms who, um, who may have lost, you know, who've miscarried, um, your recovery should be as, at the minimum, as long as you were pregnant. Mm. Um, and I think that while I am no expert in this subject, I think is worth saying because it's not talked about enough yeah. that, um, that postpartum recovery time includes people who may have not carried a baby to term. Right.
1: What would you say is if, if there were to be an idea aside from that, you know, taking things low and slow, right? For core wellness. Is there something else that you wish that Liz 15 months or 14, 15, to 15, 15 months post, postpartum could tell
0: Liz while pregnant or carrying Edie? Oh, um, use that community. I think I know I keep trying to make this food related, but really like it's so much about that community support. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably had more opportunities to connect with other new moms and other people that would have been willing to help through that time than I really understood Mm -hmm. um, or was really willing to engage with. And I think that um, my, postpartum experience, at least those first very hellish six weeks, um, would have been much easier had I had somebody else to talk to that understood. And like I had, um, I was, I was really fortunate in that my, um, sister-in-law also had her first baby and he's five months older than Mm -hmm. Edie. And so, um, like I was, you know, texting her at all hours of the night being like, oh my God, is this normal? Like what is going on? I'm losing my mind. And she was a fantastic resource and just a really good support system like my, all my sisters have kids mm-hmm. so i mean it um it was really really nice to have one that was was so close in age yeah. um but i think just using that that community and then you know as like you know i was like geek out about nutrition for like looking at round 2 i mean it's going to be there's going to be some time this is not an announcement <laughs> I am already starting to get the look. So I saw you weren't drinking at our family gathering. And I was oh, like, no, I, like I literally just got my body back to myself. Like <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. You really have, because like you you mentioned, you're you've weaned.
0: Edie just weaned um maybe three weeks ago. And um, you know, my lovely husband's like, so baby number two. And, like not right now, but is like talking about it because we want we want more kids and we're really excited about it. But what I think people fail to realize <laughs> is that um on top of nursing, like, you're you pregnant for nine and a half, I'll give you nine and a half months, 10 months, whatever, 40-ish weeks. Um, so you're growing another human life. And then you're sustaining that life for however long you are nursing. I mean, you're physically sustaining them beyond, you know, emotional support. Um, um, and so to all of a sudden, like, so that means, like, I have not been flying solo, as I say, two years and like that's a crazy amount of time right yeah um, and, I, and so i think that like i'm being really conscious uh, because we i can um uh, you know really supporting my body building up those nutrient stores um making sure that like my you know self is in check before we start to navigate you know round two yeah. of having a baby and that's something that um <clears throat> and you know i was working with you lucia when i was trying to get pregnant and that was really helpful um, mm-hmm. just you know making sure you know my digestion and, and blood sugar were all you know kind of settled in or as, as close as they were going to get for the time frame that i was on mm-hmm. um and just really supporting those kind of foundational elements of health and you know this postpartum time and the time in between kids is no is no different And this isn't to say that like, you know, having kids any closer together isn't, isn't okay. Right. Like that's, that's a totally personal choice. Um, but we have an opportunity to like really support your body. Um, like if you're going to have kids closer together, like if that's part of your life and that's what, that's what you need to do, um, you know, supporting your body with really, really nutrient dense food, you know, extra minerals, um, lots of fermented foods, um, (laughs) fun mineral drops, Um, you know, those really, really are going to be really important, um, along with those functional movements to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, give your body, um, its strongest attempt at, you know, this really, really physical marathon that is pregnancy and then, and then birth.
1: Right. I feel like it can, in that, you know, greater, society so much of this just gets swept under the rug or it's like it's an mm-hmm. expectation just to like kind of grin and bear it or just yeah. go with the flow instead of really what you've been doing and I think how you're supporting clients and people that you're interacting with about this stuff is saying like give give yourself time yeah. within whatever your specific time constraints might be because we all have different lives do what you can do for yourself so that you're really setting yourself up for success in however that's going to shake out for you. And I think that that's an amazing frame of mind. And that could be applied, you know, I think beyond pregnancy and postpartum and prenatal and all of that for any type of a health or wellness goal is saying like, take time for yourself listen to your body and see what it's saying. But like, how incredible that it it can be something that is happening during that time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it, we're in such a rush, right? Like, we want everything instantly, and like, I mean, sometimes it like it makes me kind of sad. <laughs> like, I just want to be pregnant and done, like get it over with, like yeah. get the kids over with. And I was like, well, I mean, okay, totally. Like, pregnancy is really hard. It's like there's nothing easy about it. Yeah, I enjoyed being pregnant, but like again, people have different experiences, and there's nothing easy about it. Yeah, but just being able to kind of. You know, really enjoy the moments. Maybe that's that mindfulness aspect, um, mindfulness mindset. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, Aspects. There we go. Mindfulness aspect um, of this of birth and, and really life. Right. Like just enjoying the time that you're in, or maybe not enjoying it. You don't. Doesn't always have to be happy, but really like sitting in it. Um, being aware of what's going on and supporting your body, however, whatever that might look like, mm-hmm. um, your body and your mind through those processes. Um, and just really like back to that, you know, that two year thing, uh, you know, I've been supporting another human, like growing another human for two years. And so that means the food that I'm eating is supporting both of us. And guess what? She's going to take priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not like a choice that I'm making. Like (laughs) that's just how your body is working. Like it's, it is going to choose to support those functions, uh, the placenta when you're pregnant and then the breast milk, um, when you're nursing over other nutrient stores in here. So if it needs to pull, um, calcium from other parts in your body to make sure it has enough calcium getting to baby in whatever form, um, it's gonna do that. And that's why it's so important to be fueling your body well, both during pregnancy and after. and then in between kiddos, um, you know to amp up those stores again to make sure that you aren't, you know, working from a depleted stash because it'll be better for baby and better for you in the long run. Yeah, no osteoporosis. Thank you much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you how do you also navigate? with this kind of mindfulness and, you know, being kind of gracious towards yourself and giving yourself space to, you know, not, not do the scary kind of mommy perfection, uh, trail. So are there, are there any like tools or tricks that you've used? Like, um, I know that you've used something like imperfect produce where you're getting oh, got like, vegetables sure. delivered to you, anything that's helped you, um, make eating real foods kind
0: of that much more approachable. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Actually imperfect produce or any kind of produce delivery, they're such big helps. Um, I, I've actually been using some form of like veggie CSA or veggie box delivery for close to 10 years now. Mm. And, um, that is so helpful because you know, you have vegetables and fruits or whatever coming to your door once a week. And so you have an opportunity to sneak those into your meals. Um, and so I recently switched over to imperfect produce, which is right now just on the West coast. Um, they started in the Bay area and moved up to Portland and I think they start in Seattle soon. Um, and they're awesome. They basically take produce that hasn't been, that isn't, you know, pretty enough to sit on, um, a grocery store shelf. So it would have been thrown away because we have ridiculous cosmetic standards for, um, <laughs> for our food. Yeah. Um and so I'm getting like kind of wonky looking sweet potatoes and parsnips the size of my head and like, you know, crazy looking stuff that's all totally fine and perfectly good to eat and it would have otherwise been wasted. Um so little tools like that are so helpful for for us and we can look and see like okay, I know that we're getting x y and z this week. What what should we make? Mm-hmm. And so We do um some meal prep and we're not like portioning off fifty pounds of chicken and broccoli into containers and filling our fridge like that. I'm sure that works well for some people. Yeah. That is not exciting to me. Um so my husband and I pick out three meals a week and that's usually plenty for us. And um we usually center it around like we're like, okay, what proteins do we want to eat this week? You know, okay, here's beef, fish, and you don't know, pork. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: Like whatever. And like, we'll pick out three recipes that have those three different proteins and that's what we eat. So we have like one meal that's fresh that night and then we rotate leftovers in. Um, so we're not spending so much time cooking, but we're also only, you know, two and a half people. Um, so generally one batch of food is going to get us dinner and probably two lunches out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's saving us a ton of time, um, that plus having our, our produce right there. Yeah. delivered each week. You know, I don't have to make a trip to the grocery store. Um, it's like anything simple like that. Um, it can be a huge, a huge time saver. That's amazing. And, and money saver.
1: Right. And especially, I mean, I wish, I follow Imperfect Produce and man, I wish they were in the Midwest because they're incredible that they're going to yeah. cut you a deal for this produce that looks a little haggard or silly um, but is still completely healthy and appropriate
0: to right. be in. And I was getting, like, I mean, this is how crazy it was. And I I don't know how tomatoes run out there. Um, But I was getting a pint of organic, really cute little heirloom cherry tomatoes for $1.19.
1: Yeah, that's incredible.
0: (laughs) Right? Like I would pay, I was buying those for five ninety nine at the grocery store and right. I got them and I was like, these look exactly like the ones at the grocery store. There was nothing weird about them. I was kind of disappointed <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I wanted them to be like a little scarier looking. Yeah. yeah they were yeah. totally fine. Get <laughs> funkier
1: tomatoes. Come on.
0: Come on. <laughs> so that's just a really good, like any of those produce boxes are like checking in with your local farm um, and getting on a CSA. Um, those are really, really great opportunities. Shane and I bought a cow uh, about 18 months ago, mm-hmm. um, or not a whole cow, a half a cow. And mm-hmm. so we have a little chest freezer. And so we always have protein on hand and then we always have veggies coming in. So like worst case scenario, we're like pulling out some beef and making a stir fry. Like that's a boring night. Right. Um, right. But I mean, it's, it's such a help and we're saving so much money and we know exactly where our food is coming from. Mm.
1: It's like checking all those different boxes off right away.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, purchasing meat directly from a farm can be, um, a pretty big investment offhand. But if you do the, the per pound calculation, you are saving so much money Right, and it is good in the freezer for up to two years. And so it's not like you have to eat it all tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Totally. You're, you're making that investment in yourself. If you have those resources to be able to make that first investment. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think what people often forget about too, is the, if you're driving to a grocery store, you are you're paying for gas, right? You're paying to be in that car, or you know, take the bus, or do do what you're ever gonna do, or maybe you're riding your bike, which kudos to you, that's amazing. Um, and it's it's time, it's time and energy that you're using, and there can be I think a lot of mindfulness around making time in your week to go to the grocery store. But like you're saying, anytime you can get a leg up and kind of give yourself that break and feel stocked. That's, I think that goes such a long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Can you talk a little bit about your experiences or just maybe what you've noticed, whatever you do want to share, um, about weaning since that has been, um, so recent for you?
0: Yeah. Weaning. I, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect because <laughs> <laughs> again, there's no information. Mm,
1: um, really, and, you know,
0: I mean, limited. Yeah. I Kelly mom is a great resource for breastfeeding moms. Um, so I would check that out for anybody who's, who's in that boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know what I was going to do. My goal, like my personal goal was to get to a year. I was like, mm-hmm. if I can nurse her for a year and like we, we started adding foods in around six months. Like, so this wasn't like I wasn't her sole source of food. Yeah. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to get to that year point. Um, and then beyond that, I counted it all as bonus. <laughs> Um, and some people wean earlier than that and that's fine. And some people, you know, nurse up until they go to college or something like that. Um, you know, but <laughs> that's cool too. Again, personal choice. Yeah. Not- um, but I knew I needed that like goal in mind because especially for, for eating, I like nursing at first was, uh, the biggest nightmare of my postpartum experience. Mm. Uh, but since then, you know, we got our groove and we're good and we're happy, but yeah. yeah. Oof. Um, it is not easy at first and I totally understand why, um, some women end up choosing not to, yeah. um, uh, but weaning, um, so I just kind of, I truly just kind of followed her lead. Um, you know, she, she didn't just, it didn't like automatically stop. It wasn't like a, okay, bye, I'm done. Um, there were a couple days where she was like, I don't want to nurse today at all. And that's cause she had, she was teething and she bit me and we had words about that. <laughs> <laughs> she protested, yeah. um, but you know, it just, it was slowing down and, um, you know, we got to a point probably for the last, like since she was one, um, she was maybe only nursing two times a day. Mm. And then, um. I made the decision for my own sanity when I went to, um, actually the BirthFit conference, um, that I wasn't going to pack my pump with me. Mm. And, um, I, I started working from home, um, when Edie was about 10 months old. And so I was able to kind of nurse her whenever I needed to. Yeah. Um, and so I hadn't been pumping really. And so I, I, didn't want to haul out the pump to take to this conference. Cause I knew we were slowing down and I was like, you know what? I'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be good. What I didn't anticipate, um, is that when you're, when you're nursing, like your, your breasts are filling with milk, right? And then baby takes milk out. Um, well, we'd only been nursing twice a day. So I hadn't had that, like, you know, that full feeling. And if any, breastfeeding mom knows exactly what I'm talking about. So it's kind of, it's, it's a very bizarre sensation. Um, I I didn't anticipate that being an issue when I was gone (laughs) and I didn't pump for three days and it was awful. (laughs) It was like like painful, uncomfortable? Painful, painful. And so, you know, I'd gone through this like really emotional and like eye opening weekend with these women. And the, the last day they're all giving me hugs <laughs> and I wanted to kill them all. And I felt so bad because I didn't say anything either. And I don't, that would have been the safest space to say something. And for some yeah. reason I just, but my God, this woman gave me this big hug and I wanted to burst into tears. And it was not because I was emotionally moved by the weekend, it was because she was hitting my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just yeah, it was terrible, but, um, you know, that was like, that was just my milk supply continuing. And it's not like I came back and it, and it went away, but, um, you know, came back, we nursed for a little longer. And then, um, you know, over the course of basically September at this point, um, it went down to like maybe once a day. So if I was home in the morning, she would nurse and it was clearly becoming like a comfort thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, um, I kind of switched my schedule around and, uh, wasn't home in the morning. And she wasn't. She wasn't asking. Um, she signs, so she wasn't asking for milk. Like mm-hmm. she was getting her nutrients other ways. Um, and so it just kind of slowed down. Once every couple days, she like will still like pull my shirt down and like investigate. <laughs> She's like, "What's the <laughs> on there?" Yeah, thing? we still
1: have this connection, right?
0: <laughs> like those are. Oh, good, they're still there. And I was like, "Do you want anything?" She's like, "No, I'm good. Thanks. I'm gonna huh. like, go play with this toy over here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> ball." <laughs> So yeah, it's a really interesting, interesting time. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to say like, okay, we're done. I didn't want to go through that like harsh stop because I feel like emotionally that would have been really, really hard for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, some moms and babies, that's how they do it. And it works well for them. Um, that that's just not something that that would have worked for either of us. Mm -hmm. And so I just, again, I just kind of followed our lead and and she hasn't. She honestly probably hasn't asked for anything in three weeks or so. Yeah. And so, like, and I'm like, total. I can totally tell. Like, I'm done producing. Like, after that, I don't, I don't get any kind of like engorgement, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This is probably more information than you want, but no,
1: this is perfect because again, yeah. I feel like this is the type of dialogue that maybe doesn't happen necessarily yeah. or it's a subject that people feel uncomfortable around or I I would assume that there's probably a discomfort around a lot of this too because it is so individual so there isn't yeah. one size fits all so you can hear mm-hmm. 10 20 50 people's different stories and your someone's own personal story is going to be different
0: yeah and you can't like you can't force it on anybody right like i have a friend who um i think that her kiddo weaned around eight or nine months and that's like that's totally fine that's great and I was like talking to her dramatically because as my like 11 month old I was like she's not nursing this wasn't during her like three months uh, or three day you know protest I was like did she wean if she stopped and she's like well my kids stopped a few months ago you're fine <laughs> I was like I'm sorry that wasn't like a judgment right I mean it's you're so we're so quick to assume people are judging us if we're not following x y or z but i think it's again such a personal choice right um yeah
1: yeah it's that personal choice and it's it's about as much as someone can being in that present moment and really listening to their body and that connection that they have with Mm -hmm. that beautiful little creature or creatures that they have
0: (laughs) and so we've like we found other ways to connect you know like lots of snuggles lots of walks together Mm -hmm. um just having that like mom and baby time doesn't necessarily have to be with me without a shirt. <laughs> yeah.
1: And what does it feel like now for you being like you were mentioning before, you are your own body now because there isn't that physical connection in that way anymore because of the weaning.
0: Um I like feel so free, to be perfectly honest. Um and it's not that I didn't love that time and I and I kind of I miss parts of it. Um but feeling like I had to be like, I don't, I don't like feeling tied to things
1: Yeah,
0: into a certain degree. It just puts a lot of stress and, um, just being able to know that like when I come home and like, we, we want to spend time together rather than like, okay, we have to do this thing. Um, because like I, it would just get so stressful towards the end, especially when I'm trying to juggle, um, new business and then, God, this making me sound like my priorities are all out of whack. Um, <laughs> but I mean, truly, it's just been very, it's been very freeing to kind of be my own person again. And um, I feel like I can almost show up as a better mom and partner in this space. um, Because I can have that time that I need away for myself and come back and be like, mom, like I was telling you in the beginning of the show, like we, um, like my day is done by two.
1: Right.
0: So like, I'm up at, the ass crack of dawn four forty-five 45 most mornings oh and I'm, I'm done. I like, I make a point of being done with my, with my work and with my computer and all of that by two thirty each day. And that's a luxury I have of being my own boss. Um, and I come home and I can just be there and spend time. Right. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I left my other job. Um, but being able to do that as my own person, and when I'm gone, like not having to worry about pumping or, you know, anything of that sort, it has been really, really nice and I can feel myself, you know, starting to like my hormones are starting to like, sh- like regulate. And mm. I think there must've been some sort of like crazy shift going on in the last few weeks. Cause like, I've just had like, just weird, um, like digestion and body and mood, but, um, you know, it's it's just really nice just having that kind of like that like that space back. Yeah. Um emotionally and physical. Right, right. That there's being this, able to connect differently, I guess, is really what it is.
1: Yeah, that there's some kind of independence that you've been able to reclaim in this way that um it really it's it sounds like helps you to bond in new ways with
0: baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think that especially those first few months, sometimes like you feel like a freaking dairy. Like, <laughs> like, you're, like you're especially the, the yeah. baby is little, like they aren't giving you any kind of like, there's no reciprocation of like, Oh, I love you so much. And they're like, give me boob or I will scream. Mm, like, yeah. You, you literally, you, you kind of feel like a dairy. And then <laughs> it, um, it, it almost comes back because like, you know, Edie is old enough that she's, like, moving around on her own. And she would just come over when she was, like, feeling like she wanted something and, like, pull my shirt up and, like, jump on. <laughs> and I was, like, uh, okay, hi, good morning. Nice to see you, too. Yeah. And so just feeling like, you know, your body isn't just being used. <laughs> You're appreciated beyond that.
1: Right. I think that's, that's such an amazing, it's, again, it's, like, another, a new phase.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah more of that motherhood transition stuff.
1: Right. Well, as always, I feel like we could always, always, always continue to talk about just like functional fitness and the relationships and kind of the emotional um, experiences that come along with navigating through all of these different phases that are, of course, informed by what we've experienced. Um, so thank you so much for hopping on and for people who are curious about learning more about this or feeling like they can discuss these subjects more in depth or just want to check out what you're saying about this stuff where can people find you
0: uh they can find me online sprout wellness or sproutwellnesspdx.com. and yeah i love talking about it people can chat with me at any point
1: yeah awesome well thank you liz for sharing Thanks. your knowledge and your expertise
0: Thank you, Lucia. This is so fun. I Yay. love being on this. You have a body podcast. You have a
1: body podcast. We all I, have those bodies. We
0: have bodies. We
1: sure do. Yeah. Um, and always as always, a uh, big shout out and thank you to Taj, our producer. Um, Taj is Taj is the dead bug exercise that you didn't know that you needed, but once you do it, it gets you so tuned into your core that you're always going to be a dead bug. So thank you so much, Taj. You are the power that keeps the core together, that keeps the limbs able to flail how they need to flail. (laughs) Um, We will catch you next week on the, you have a body podcast. In the meantime, if any of you are listening and you haven't left a review yet on iTunes, go ahead, hop over to the podcast app um, or Stitcher, however you might be listening to us and See if you can leave a review. And if you do, we will give you a shout-out at the next episode. And next week, Hannah will be back co-hosting. So tune in then, tune in today, and we will see you all soon. Thanks, Liz.
0: Thanks. The You Have a Body podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit Noisepictic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at Facebook.com slash You Have a Body podcast. Tweeted us at You Have a Body or find us on Instagram at You Have a Body Podcast. Let us know what's going on with you
1: because guess what? You have a body.